0: This is the Last Week Liquid Podcast. Welcome to the Last Week Liquid Podcast, the show dedicated to weekly discussions with drum and bass producers, DJs and label managers. My name is Simon and I produce drum and bass under the name Mill Street. And today I'm sitting down with Charles, also known as Linear. Charles focuses mostly on the funky aspect of drum and bass, And in this episode, we talk about the importance of having the right mindset as an artist, why he decided to take a short break from making music, quality versus quantity, the importance of networking, and many more. I feel like we went quite deep in this chat and a lot of great insights came out of it. So as always, thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed the show. And we're on. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Last Week Liquid Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting out with Charles, also known as Linear. Charles has been putting out some great liquid funk drum and bass over recent years, with releases on labels such as Differential, New Venture, Basics and Skankin' Bass. His latest EP, Lost in Sight, came out on the 26th of June and saw him return with long-standing partner in crime detached audio. Charles, welcome to the show. How are you
1: doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No worries, right, man. Um, so, yeah, first off, how has lockdown been so far for you? How are, are things getting back to normal now? How are things?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, back in March when it kind of all kicked off and we we all went into lockdown, it was pretty brutal. Um, but the thing was, it, in some way, that actually, you know, what was happening wasn't nice, but it was actually quite nice in some ways to kind of have all of your plans cancelled and be allowed to kind of just take a few well, what turned into a few months, actually, but at the time, you know, a few weeks to sort of chill. And, um, and yeah, and then we'd been lucky enough to have, like, a reasonable summer, so we had, like, mm. maybe two or three months where we could go out more, could meet more people, go to bars, that kind of thing. It feels like we're starting to go back into a bit more of a lockdown situation now. We, we've we had a few local lockdowns, and Leeds, where I live, has just gone into local lockdowns, so there's more restrictions now on who we can see, but... I definitely think there's there's been people who've had rougher times than than I mm. have um I mean I'm lucky that my job has kind of continued and I've just been able to work from home for the whole time yeah. it's not really been interrupted that much so so yeah um definitely not that like ideal but I, I yeah I feel like other people can definitely complain way more than <laughs> more than me on, yeah. on that
0: and how is that adjustment switching were you already working from home sometimes beforehand or was it something really new to you
1: no i mean i have worked from home a bit um but yeah i went from being in the office full-time to being at home full-time overnight which i mean it's hard like the the stuff that i really miss like actually being with people and, and being able to chat to people um it's hard like also sometimes working with the team because when you can't see people it's hard to kind of check in on people and know how they're um how they're feeling but on the other hand, I think actually in some ways I'm way more productive working from home because there's not really any okay. distractions.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, yeah.
1: you know, you kind of just, you know, all you can do is work. So you, you actually get a lot more stuff done at times. It's so, yeah. um, it's kind of 50-50. Um, but yeah, I I quite enjoy it most of the time. I think it'd definitely be nice in the future to have the option of being at home at times and then... Um, yeah, like going, maybe like half in, half out of the office would be ideal. Yeah,
0: yeah I think that's been a, a big revelation for a lot of people. A lot of people not working from home previously were like, okay, this is nice. Definitely not full time, but uh, maybe two days a week, three days a week, uh, skip traffic, all that kind of stuff. Exactly,
1: uh, yeah. You save money as well because you, um, you're you not tempted to go out and buy lunch. Yeah. And oh, stuff. for sure,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So um, uh, so yeah, yeah. And how has it been in terms of like your music productions? Because um, I've seen a lot on social media. People are either um, some people. It's been very hard, like also mentally, um, mm. to even do music and stuff. And other people were more on the side of I have a, I have a lot more free time, uh, which I can put to, to good use with music. Um, which which camp were you you more on?
1: Well, again, that it's kind of changed over the course because at the end of last year I decided to have a bit of a break from music because I just felt like I was putting myself under way too much pressure and I'd stopped I'd kind of lost track of why I was doing it I wasn't enjoying it as much as I should have been so I decided to take a bit of a break and then uh, lockdown came in 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 March and that really got me back into music and really loving I started out by doing like a weekly mix that I uploaded and then as I was mixing, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna like start playing around with some production again." Started making some tracks, and that's where that EP came from that I put out in June. Mm. So, at that, at the kind of the early stage, I found it like r- really got my creativity going again, which was really nice. And I think just having time in the flat to to just, you know, I I think most of that EP I wrote over Easter weekend, which you know mm. any other year would be really busy, yeah. But I was just, <laughs> just you know, I had. Yeah um a long weekend I was stuck in the flat and I was like "All oh, right, well let's let's write an EP and it you know it just kind of all happened and then I have found over the past two or three months like I have had a lot more like writer's block I don't know why I don't know if it's mm-hmm. just I'm getting a bit tired of lockdown and the news just being scary and sad all the time um or whether it is just being a little bit busier again now that we've mm-hmm. been allowed to go out so I think it's yeah I think it's it's good having more time because if you've got kind of pent up creativity you can you can really like let it out but then I think if you're struggling a bit and you're kind of just sat at home twiddling your thumbs and it's not coming naturally you can you don't have as many opportunities to kind of go out and you know let off steam you can definitely mm. end up feeling quite like down creatively so I think it's kind of a mixed blessing
0: yeah yeah if, if- I know for me, when we went into lockdown here, uh, I, I did find myself with a lot more free time, which was was good, but that also came with some kind of pressure to be productive because uh, you you can sometimes see tweets of people showing off, well, not showing off, but showing songs they've done and projects, et cetera, putting to good use uh, lockdown time. And that also came with like some kind of pressure to, okay, I need to make the most out of this. And it's almost counterproductive then at that stage
1: (laughs) yeah i think i think um that's definitely something that i mean i think that contributed to me taking a bit of a break at the end of last year is as soon as you start comparing yourself at any time really to what anyone else is doing i think you're gonna you're gonna fall down because someone is always gonna have more time or more money or more you know whatever and Mm. or more just you know they more opportunities to do something um I think that again was why, at the beginning of, of lockdown, when I did write that EP, I wasn't. I didn't even plan on actually necessarily releasing it. I was literally just um, writing tracks to go in the mixes that I was doing each week because I was like, oh, I really love this track, and I'd, and I'd think, oh, you know, I can kind of imagine how you could like have a track that would mix well with that. So then I'd go and start mm-hmm. playing around with it, and it would turn into you know whatever. But I was I was just making tracks at that point to you know to enjoy myself, and then I once I kind of put them mostly together, I um, I played them to a few people, and I got really good feedback, and then um, I sent them to Karan from uh, Detached Audio, and um, he was like, "I'd really love to release this," um, and no. I was like, "Oh right, okay, well." I was like, and I said to him, I was like, well, yeah, probably. I was like, I haven't actually decided what I want to do with these because I was thinking maybe I just put them out for free or something. Um, Mm. And I was like, yeah, well. I was like, well, the only question is, I guess, then is like, when, when would you have like time in your schedule? And it turned out that he had a slot quite soon. It was in like a couple of months' time. I was like, okay, because I was like, what I didn't want was to kind of you know, be waiting six months to release them because I was like, Mm. you know, I've I've not done anything for a while um and yeah and I think the other nice thing there was releasing with detached who like I I've always had really good great experiences with them it felt nice to not be like it it wasn't like I was pitching to a label to try Mm -hmm. and get the tracks released it was releasing with someone that I knew and had worked with before and really like um and it wasn't like that kind of weird thing of you know where you're like will I, won't till I get a release? There was no pressure yeah, around yeah, yeah. it. Um, he just loved the tracks and I was really into the tracks and it just kind of all fitted and worked out nicely. Um, so yeah, uh, so that was the thing. Like I didn't really, I think because I had no pressure on myself to, to for those tracks to be any good, they turned out to be way better than I expected. And the whole release turned out to be way better. Like, I mean, that I've, the feedback I got on those tracks is way better than, anything I've had before and the reception and stuff. Mm. Um, so I think that's where now I'm like, I, I don't, I want to follow it up. Like I've got another EP planned with uh, detached, um, but which I've kind of been working on, but like, I, I don't know whether I, I kind of don't want to put myself under that pressure again. Cause I know that if I put myself under loads of pressure, it mm. probably won't be as good. So that's why I yeah. think it's like, you know, trying to take it slow.
0: Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I definitely wanna wanna chat about that that release Lost in because I think it's a it's a great piece of liquid. It's the the type of liquid I I love to to listen to. Um, so I'd love to dive into in, into those tracks uh, and especially the the name of the album. I know you talked about it before, but how that kind of came to be. Um, but just before that, you mentioned you took a break end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's something I'm quite interested to to chat to you about because I had uh, Colossus on the second episode of this podcast and he took a break for several years because um, he wasn't enjoying it. He wasn't feeling challenged. He was kind of just sick of it. And then eventually, of course, came back to drum and bass. Um, so I'm quite interested in, in what was your thought process last year? Uh, what brought you to maybe taking that break? How did you find how did the inspiration come back um yeah i think
1: i think there's a few things i think partly it was just like my own like circumstances like my life felt like it was getting very very busy and i think i'm i mean i'm lucky in the sense that like i have a job which i really like um and i've got like you know a lot of other stuff going on and it felt like music was becoming like or sort of like the you know the linear kind of side of music was was almost becoming it was becoming like a job that I was under pressure to do and wasn't really getting paid for and yeah. i and i and i i just sort of came yeah I just thought well you know if this is like starting to become like more stressful than it is enjoyable at the moment and I'm not even getting paid for it, then you know why am I continuing to do it like I could do something else creatively um So, and I also at that time, because when I was younger, I used to write quite a lot. So I would write like, you know, novels and stuff. And I was like, I really wanted to try that again. So I was like, well, I'm going to give music a break. I'm going to turn myself to something else creatively. And, um, And yeah, it just kind of made sense. But then the other thing is, I mean, some of what you just said there about Colossus is, I think you also, about kind of like being challenged, I think you have to really know, what your goal is and why you're Mm -hmm. actually doing something like this, because like, you know, I mean, I don't ever expect to really like make a living out of music. Um, But I think, I think I had, I think up until the end of last year, my goal was to be like, I don't know what, I guess it's like the sort of the, you know, the fame in inverted commas of like being a big artist, I guess, because, you know, when I was getting into drum and bass, you'd see all these artists and you'd think, you know, oh, like, it'd be amazing to to be them and do that. Um, but I think the problem is you get into the situation there where you're just comparing yourself to other people and you're just, uh, it's, you know, it's exactly that thing that you mentioned where you see someone doing something. You know, people will always be putting out posts about, oh, I've just, you know, signed to this label or I've just had this or so-and-so has just played my track. And I think it is really good for people to put that stuff out there. I think you need to because it's really motivating to like for yourself. And it's also it shows other people that you can achieve stuff. But if you start thinking, like, well, if they've done it, then why am I not doing it? And like judging yourself by that, then, you, you know, you'll just make yourself unhappy.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think I just sort of was catching myself doing that. And I think it's when you start to be a bit, like, envious of people because that was the other thing. Like, I... I don't have loads of time to do music and like produce. So I'd see people putting out music and think like, it's good, but it's not like, you know, amazing. It's not like, you know, kind of like top of the Mm. level kind of music production. And I think, well, you know, and then I'd almost like drop my own standards because I'd prioritise like getting something out there rather than getting something that I thought was really good out
0: yeah speed over equality
1: exactly yeah and and i think that's the problem in in our kind of genre is that music has such a short um shelf life that you know if you're not putting out music every month you're probably you probably will struggle um and i think it was just a sort of all those factors and i think i just got a bit kind of disenchanted with the scene a bit it was kind of i think it probably coincided when you know, when there was, like, all of, like, the the and uh, b Talk Facebook groups, like, not that I have anything against any of those groups, but there was a lot of kind of negativity around that kind of kicking mm. off, and it was just like, oh, is this actually enjoyable anymore? So I just thought, well, what I'm going to do is take a break, and I didn't say to people whether I was, like, taking a break for good, or I didn't, like, set a time when I would come back. Um and yeah, I think it was a really good idea because it definitely like reduced like how stressed I was, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then when it did, you know, when there was an opportunity back in like March to get back into music, and I had the time, I just felt so much more excited about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very tricky balance. Um I only started producing this year, so I'm still quite new, um, but as I, as I started releasing. I started feeling that pressure that you're talking about of, of trying to put out tracks at a regular regular pace. Mm. And it's all about finding that it's a very tricky balance between remaining consistent in, in your craft. So continuing to produce music and just keeping that, uh, let's say, that flow and that, that energy going. Uh, without putting too much pressure on yourself to finish a track every second day or every week or something like that. Kind of that that sweet spot between the two isn't easy to find.
1: See, I, I think that... I think the best way to do it... Because, well, so one of the things that happened with me is I... I mean, I'm still not like the world's greatest producer or anything. I'm still learning with every track I make. But I think when, like... I don't know how many it'd be. Maybe like your first... 20 to 50 tracks that you make um or that you start maybe um you are with every track you the the step up is so huge because you you make so many mistakes that you can't really fix on a track until you just start a new track and then you've learnt and you can i think one of the problems that i've had is that i i was i kind of started releasing music out into the world like uh, probably around i mean I think, I'm trying to think, I probably had like maybe like five tracks that were just, you know, terrible looking back and like those are where I started. But then after that, I pretty much started releasing music then. So I was like releasing music in one form or another all the way through that kind of real learning curve, which Mm -hmm. meant that like, and obviously you're really inconsistent at that point because you don't really know what you're doing. So Mm -hmm. I'd like release a track. Like, the first release I ever had was um, on the Skank & Bass Free label uh, back in 2017. And I put two tracks out on there, which I still look back and think are pretty good. Like, there's bits I changed now, but there's nothing majorly wrong with them. So I put those two tracks out, and then I just couldn't make a track again, for ages that was anywhere near as as good as those because I just wasn't a good enough producer. I'd kind of like been lucky with those two tracks and it had all kind of fallen into place and they were quite good. But then I just had like, it's probably like a year of never really making something that was anywhere near as good. And I think the best way of doing it is to really learn your craft, probably try and surround yourself with people who can give you feedback, but without actually releasing stuff and then only start releasing properly when you're confident and consistent and you know that you can put you know create a rate that is going to match with whatever your goal is for releasing if you want to release you know every two months you need to know that i can produce a release worthy track every two months probably like six months ahead of time at least Mm. um whereas if you're kind of releasing and learning at the same time you're inevitably going to end up under a lot of pressure because You know, Mm. not everything is going to be good enough to put out. And that's kind of, you know, just there's nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, but it's probably best to kind of keep those for yourself and learn.
0: Yeah. Then I'm going to play devil's advocate now. Uh, At what point do you know, okay, now I'm good enough to put tracks out in the world? Because it's always a risky, risky business to wait until you're good enough at something to actually put it out where it could be music or anything
1: yeah exactly and 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 really that's the reason i I did start releasing immediately because I didn't have enough people around me. I had a few friends who were kind of um I had one one friend in particular Sam who um used to produce and uh who started a label he he would always give me really good feedback, but I didn't have enough people to to know exactly what you just said, so the only really way for me to ever get you know um enough feedback on my work was to put it out there. So I I think Mm. you're right. I mean, I think think probably the best way to do it is to think about what labels release music that you consider to be... Because within the kind of... You know, there's so many labels. Even Mm. if you're just starting out, you can probably spot which labels are putting out music that is good and which labels are kind of putting out music that's a bit more, like... I don't want to say like bad because it's not bad. It's because any, any anyone's track is art and it's, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's good. And if you like it, that's great. But I think you can always, you can always see which tracks seem more polished and which from a, yeah. just a technical perspective are better, like objectively. So, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. so yeah, it's not about kind of like, you know, being, you know, <laughs> like a gatekeeper or anything. Like if you want to put music out, put it out, but yeah, find the labels that um, are putting out music that you consider to be really polished and good and just focus on them and keep sending them demos. And like you'll, you'll know immediately when you get, well, if and when you get a reply, whether they're the kind of people that you want to work with because the reply mm. will be you know courteous and professional. And then just keep sending them music and they will keep giving you feedback. And then I'd say that you know when you're ready to release because they will accept a track. Yeah. And that tells you that that track is at the level because you're right when you're starting out, you don't really know and it's hard to judge your own work as well. So you kind of have to find people that you think and trust to to know um, rather than just kind of putting music out, especially I think you have to be careful with like releasing your own music for free mm. because you can either, unless you've kind of, you know, tested a track out if you've been playing it live or something and you've got, you know, you've got that response you don't you don't really know how it's going to go down and it's probably not, not been checked by enough people to kind of to know so you 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 either end up with like putting out something that's not quite good enough or you end up putting out something that's really good and probably could have maybe found a home on a label that might have helped the track go further um so i think i think it's just taking it slowly when you start out and not rushing into things and and just yeah. making sure that you kind of get as many people to listen to a track before you decide what to yeah. do with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to bring it back to, to your first first tracks, as you mentioned, that you released on, on Skank and Bass, because um, I thought the production level was already, like, really good for a first release. Um, but when I listen back to those tracks now, there are a lot more uh, techie dare I say, jump-uppy, mm. <laughs> compared to your current stuff, which is a lot more jazzy, liquid, funk-infused type of drum and bass. Um, so I'm kind of curious how that progression happened from that type of music towards a more liquid side. Was it something, a conscious decision of going in that direction or did it kind of happen naturally? Um, I, think,
1: I think there's a few things. I think, for one thing, I, I'm just better at producing more liquid, kind of sample-based, melodic, funky kind of stuff. So they would naturally be the tracks that ended up getting finished because, you know, I wasn't kind of banging my head against the wall trying to make them work. Yeah. Um, I think my own, like, I mean, when I when I was making those kinds of tracks was was, like, when I was back at uni and the stuff I was listening to was a lot more, like like Mind Vortex, for instance, like remember them, they, um, yeah, yeah. they, um, I used to love that kind of stuff and I, and I've never ever <laughs> managed to produce anything like at all like that, but you know, they were definitely more my sort of the people I was like looking to as, as like the biggest tracks of, of the time. So I think I naturally ended up doing them slightly more aggressive stuff, whether it was like more techie or, or jump puppy, it was always going to be a bit darker, um i think i was also probably like focused more on writing tracks to be played out as well mm. um because i was going out way more um so i think there was that so it's a mix of those two things um and also like my friend sam who i mentioned he produced uh like really like techie minimal kind of stuff so mm. um i learned a lot of production from him in um, when i first started out so i think often like the stuff that he was kind of like showing me and then I try out myself was um there's mm. more on that side and then I think I guess that's the other thing it's like if you can try and like learn your craft before you start putting too much stuff out you, you you'll learn your style and you'll learn what works like I just enjoy making the more liquid stuff more because I'm not I'm not like a big sound design kind of person I I don't I just get frustrated to be honest, right. Like if I'm
0: same here. Yeah. Like
1: if I, I mean, I, I, I think it's a completely different talent actually. And I think the guys that, you know, are really good at sound design are that they're, they're like scientists as far as I'm concerned. Like, you know, that like, I, I, I just, um, I'm so envious That's engineers. Yeah. I'm just so envious of their ability to, to actually like create stuff. Whereas I just, I think in some ways I don't have the patience. Cause it's like, I can't deal with like working on a sound for hours and it's sounding rubbish until the last like 30 minutes where you finally get it right. I'd much rather just like, I just want like samples and like simple bass lines and just like nice melodies and stuff and just layer it all up. Mm. Um, I definitely like to see where a track's going quite quickly. Otherwise I just kind of lose interest. I I need to like feel that, like feel the vibe of the track quite quickly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, I think that was thing. I mean, I think, yeah, in some ways I probably like when I started producing, I always wanted to like produce, I think everyone like looks at people like noisier and stuff and thinks that's who I want to be. And then you realize that not many of us can actually be noisier. So, yeah. <laughs> so you kind of think, all oh, right, well, you know, and then you kind of find your own little like groove and, and what happens. One of the tracks on that, that, um skank and bass one it's called minimal groove and i it's still one of my favorite tracks that i've ever put together and it was so simple um and the production's a little bit off like the mix downs a a bit like messy but um i think that was like one of the first tracks where i was like this is actually like really cool like this is and Mm -hmm. when i because that release came about because i sent in um i sent in the other track do it to uh skank and bass just to try i was going to release it for free myself and i was just like sent it to them like hoping that they would promote it and then seb came back and was like oh it sounds good have you considered like releasing it on our free release thing i was like well i'd love to <laughs> yes please <laughs> um, and he said well uh send over whatever anything else you've got and we'll see if we can get two tracks together so i sent over a few bits and minimal groove was one of them, and. Um, and he came back and, like, he really loved that one. He was like, for me, this is, like, this is the A-side. And and that's the thing. I think when you get feedback from people, especially people that, uh, you know, kind of hear a lot of music and you can trust their opinion, that helps you think, right, well, I'm good at that. So that's probably some – whatever I did there, <laughs> I need to explore that. And I need to do it again. Like, whatever the process was that I went through to get to that track, I need to yeah. do that again and see if I can kind of do it. Um I think yeah, that was definitely one of those tracks where I learned a lot about how I like to produce.
0: So, what's your what's your general process when it comes to to starting a track and and is it any different from back in that time of that first release and your latest EP? Do you approach tracks in the same way? Do you have an idea in mind before you start? How does it generally come um,
1: up? It's prob it's it's just probably a bit more probably just a bit quicker now and a bit more refined. Like I I always. I always start with the drums. I I will always, I basically, I'll find a break. Actually, what I like to do is, I like to find about three breaks that I like and I layer them and just make sure that they're like playing the same groove so you're not, it doesn't sound like messy. Get them in time and then, and then I'll just try and like create a few fills or something from those breaks and then layer it up with, there's basically like, only a few kicks and snares now that i actually use and i'll just process them a bit differently Mm. because it's like good samples that i've then processed myself and then i just know that they work in the mix downs now um so i'll i'll kind of just stick to those um which i don't know maybe it's lazy or maybe it's efficient i don't know (laughs) um
0: well, it helps also achieving a, a consistent sound. I exactly, think. like re-exporting and resampling your own stuff is actually quite exactly.
1: Important. And and to be honest, like I, I I like to try and use different breaks. So I like to get the character to come from the breaks. I think that like a basic kick or a snare is quite characterless anyway until you do something with it. So I think it's kind of only in there to add some weight and clarity to the the drum track. What I think the break is where you get the character and the vibe from. Um, so I'll always do that. And then, um, once, and then I'll, I'll add like a hat line in to kind of get that a bit of clarity. There's a few simple like effects that I always use, just like some risers and some kind of white noise and crashes. And I'll lay that out into, I, I always kind of, as much as like, I don't like the idea of always producing for DJs, I think, cause I, I do mix quite a lot myself. I always kind of think of the structure as, like, what kind of... Do I want this to be, like, you know, a track with a big intro that's maybe, like, a, you know, you could start your set with, or, like, am I going to... Or is this, like, a quick kind of build kind of track? And I'll lay that out. And then I literally, nowadays, I just start dropping in samples. I'll, like, either, like, you know, find a sample somewhere or I'll go and search through some sample packs I'll just start dropping stuff in there um, and just see what happens. And quite often I'll end up with, like, I'll swap, like, the drum track from one track that I'm working on. So I'll put the drums from one track into, a, you know, the kind of musical elements of another because I'll think it works better. Um, and then often the bass line comes last because I think I think it's hard to work out what key a track should be in when you're working with the bassline because, you know, they it tends to be quite, so I kind of take, take, work out from whatever kind of samples you're using as to what the key is. And then, and then just write a baseline. And and with baselines, I, I try and just keep, I mean, I'll I'll either do like a really simple, like re-space, um, or just like, um, just some nice, like warm subs or something. I think, I think, um, that tends to work for me because again, the, Baselines more about like just the, the kind of weight the foundation yeah exactly mm-hmm. and a bit of like just the power of the track um yeah i mean that not every track's like that but like that's if i kind of sit down and think i need to write a track that's the easiest way for me to end up with something that i'm excited about because um yeah i a lot of people don't start with the drums or like i've heard a lot of people say that they don't start with the drums but i just think for me the drums. Yeah. The drums is what I love in drum and bass, and I, I, I you know that for me is what what makes it what it is, so it just seems obvious to start there but
0: yeah so the do the drums because I would be in the category of people that do drums last or second to last with the with the bass, just because uh I need to see what the atmosphere of the track will be before knowing what kind of drums will fit with that mm. at- atmosphere. If if you see what I mean, like if it's g- going to be more of a rim shot type of snare, if it's going to be a more clappy snare, and that kind of depends on how the, on the samples I use and the atmosphere and, and the vibe in general. So I tend to just slap in like a very basic break just to have yeah. some kind of rhythm, then build the rest of the track, and then I'll come back to the drums and start switching out different kicks, different snares, different hats, etc., to see what kind of fits uh that that's kind of what worked for me but that's the beauty of music we all have different different ways of achieving the same result in the end
1: (laughs) yeah i think i think i probably just get most excited about the drums it's like when i'm listening to a track and and someone does it's probably because the drums are so similar in every drum and bass track in terms of like the structure the beat um when someone does something cool and I can hear like some cool percussion in there, or there's like a really nice break. I'm like, that's what makes a track stand out to me. So I think that's probably why I then with my own stuff, I'll start with the drums and I can kind of, from a drum track, I can then kind of think about what kind of atmosphere and musical elements are going to work with that. Um, whether it's like, you know, a rolling thing or is it more funky and a bit more like stilted and, and stuff. I also think the thing with drums, which a lot of people don't, um, don't do that well is the the real power of drums can come when you when you remove them so you just leaving like space because if you and obviously there's like you know you would do that in the break or whatever or in an intro but if you've got like like um own globe does this really well in some of his tracks that where he will just take the drums out for like eight bars pretty much in the middle of the drop Mm. um and it's like when you know it's that kind of thing of, you know when the beat then comes back in it's it, it, even the same you don't even have to do anything with the drums then you just bring them back in and they sound amazing
0: yeah yeah in terms of uh i know it's like the breakdown is often uh, an area where people kind of uh, look over it but because it's just a breakdown you kind of remove the drums and, and and the bass and then it comes back but i find it's always super important the, the breakdown because that's as you said the part where the drums aren't there and it's almost more important because how you build your breakdown is going to give more impact to your drop afterwards if it's like a really really bad breakdown yeah. your drop's going to have less impact i think
1: absolutely i think actually that's what yeah i guess that's the other thing i tend to do like i i get maybe it's like inspired by like some techno tracks in some ways but like i i like to mm. I'm not a huge fan. Some people do it really well, but I'm not a huge fan of where you have like really different intros or breakdowns to the drop. I like I like the drop to be like a continuation of what's come before. So I like to like have the layer, and what I'll often do is like have like about ten different musical elements going on at once when I'm making a track, and then I'll just over the drop i mean and then start to just like take them out and think about when i want certain pieces to come in and how i want them to come in and stuff and it's you know do you introduce something yeah. like suddenly or do you want to like filter something in or something and i think if you can get i'm not saying i do this like as well as like you know people are really good at but i think if you can get that like um progression the best tracks, when you think about it, the best tracks are always the simplest tracks, where it's just amazing
0: for sure, yeah,
1: elements and a few amazing elements, and they're just brought in, like just right, and you 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 know, and I think that can often actually be um, a bit frustrating when you're starting out as a producer because the tracks that you love are often the most simple, but then when you create a simple track because you're just like not experienced enough, often it can just sound quite like lacking and empty so you kind of get into the thing of adding way more which is fine i mean some some tracks that are more complex are are really good as well but yeah if you can do something simple really well that's probably the recipe for a really good track
0: yeah and i think definitely within liquid that's kind of the the sweet spot you're aiming for is having just enough elements so the track stays interesting but not too many elements that it becomes too crowded and that's the sweet spot you want to find to like keep it simple but still interesting and evolving as, the, as the track goes on. Uh, I do want to bring it to one one track you released with uh, with basics. Uh, I believe it was this year on their compilation back back to basics volume two, because um, that's quite a I would say an original track uh, uh, at least for you. Uh, first, uh, mm-hmm. it's under three minutes which is quite rare for a, for a drum and bass track. I don't think there's an actual like breakdown, talk about breakdowns. There isn't a, really a breakdown in that song. Um, and also you, you collaborated with Ryder MC on that track. Um, so I'm quite interested in first how that collaboration came about um, and then, yeah, the process, what the thought process was in making that track so short and the structure it has.
1: Well, in terms of collaborating with um rider mc he he just reached out to me i believe um he's he's worked with like a few people that i've like either released with or worked with so i think he'd like come across me there i'm pretty sure he reached out to me i may be wrong um and yeah he was just like, like i'd love to do some stuff and he i think he actually um wrote i think yeah he he because I didn't have a track ready at that time that I that like would need any vocals. He, he did some kind of demos over one of the tracks I did for skank and bass. Um, just as like, just to kind of see it. And, and I just draw, I had the track, which was just like, I think the thing, yeah. So this, I've never really thought about that, about the structure being a bit different, but it is, you're right. And I think I had that was like a work in progress. Which And it was pretty short because I didn't really have any other ideas of what to put into it at that point. So I just had, like, my work in progress. And then, so I just dropped some of the demos when I started working. I was like, oh, actually, this could kind of maybe work with some vocals. I dropped some of his demo vocals into that and, and, and and it worked. And then I think, in some ways, it didn't feel like it needed anymore. But then also, I guess, maybe, like, I just kind of forgot to add (laughs) <laughs> like a, a breakdown to it it just it, it yeah. you know it, it didn't it never struck me that it needed one um, and i think it works i think it works quite well being a bit shorter it's also it's a funny track i mean it's got some weird samples in there it's got some like weird yeah. like percussion i don't even know what some of it is i don't know where i found it um it's got a lot of quite like aggressive sax kind of samples in there yeah um, it, it, it
0: it almost feels like a live live yeah. band playing that track that's the that's why I say it's quite an intriguing track, because there's obviously the, the the jazz or the the wah, wah, wah guitar, there's the sax, there's the MC on top. Mm. So it almost feels like a bunch of people playing the track together. You're,
1: you're right. And and <laughs> the funniest thing about that track was that I um I sent it over to Basics and um and uh like they loved it and and um and it was kind of all set for the release, and then I was like, oh, let me just kind of I just want to like check the mix down before I sent it off to master and I went into the track and I realized I had like I'd forgotten to mix down half of the track and I hadn't (laughs) noticed and I think obviously it wasn't awful and I think because of the samples used it kind of you know where you sometimes you don't need to do loads of processing to get something to sound good but I realized yeah there was some stuff in there that I just hadn't done like there was like no side-chaining or anything like and I think Mm. because it does have that kind of live sound to it already
0: okay it maybe
1: that's probably why i didn't notice thinking about it because it 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 kind of sounded right it's and it wasn't like a perfectly mixed track and it probably wouldn't stand up that well in a club but the kind of the vibe was so i left it quite quite loose in many ways like it there's you know there's probably like it probably could be punchier and stuff but somehow mm-hmm. it just kind of worked but yeah i went into i was like oh god like <laughs> i could have sent this off and, and i'm not even mixed down half of these tracks <laughs> yeah. um but yeah like i didn't do, i didn't do a huge amount more to it i think i just like tidied it up a bit and um and stuff but but yeah like but then like um no one else had noticed either so i think that like i think it was like this the kind of live vibe to it because it is quite like you know yeah, yeah. reverby and stuff yeah,
0: yeah. So I do want to talk about your, your latest EP, Lost in Sight. Um so you mentioned you you started working on that one uh after taking your your short break. Um so I'm curious how those tracks came to be and if if you feel they're kind of COVID-infused, so to speak. Like is there some kind of influence of the times we're living in those tracks from from your perspective? Um and then also just quite curious what brought you back to making music, was there like a specific event you remember or something you heard or or was it just like a gut feeling of oh, I wanna make music again?
1: Yeah, I mean so those tracks I think I had what became Lost in Sight and crawling in some form or another, like left over from like before I decided to take a bit of time off. Uh, but they weren't they weren't finished and they weren't like in what they are now. Um and then yeah, like whether they're kind of influenced, but I mean, I think they are. I think not deliberately, but I think that they, I think you could definitely kind of see them as like a bit like melancholy and, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and also like, I think they are quite summery. They're kind of like sad summer, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think they really, really, they came about because I, I was just mixing tracks that I liked basically um each week uh, just playing around and then creating mixes and uploading them in like a little series of of like one hour mixes and I think I was just like the 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 style of tracks that I was mixing was very like I I um I was reminded how much I love artists like Phil Tangent for instance um and where you have these tracks which are just like quite long and they they just, they just roll out for ages and it's like you don't really notice what's changing um, and it's mm. but it's like just perfect <laughs> so I was really enjoying tracks like that and I was really digging back I started digging back through like I mean I must have like thousands now of tracks on like my hard drive that I've collected over the years and I was just digging through them all and trying to remind myself like of tracks and um, that that I either used to love and play a lot and then just playing around with them again. And I think I just ended up wanting to make some tracks that would, that would mix well with them. So have similar kinds of structures Mm -hmm. and similar, similar sorts of vibes. And I think I can't remember where it might've been return might've been the first track I actually started working on in March or whenever it was, um, maybe April. And, um, and yeah, I think I was just sort of playing around, and like I just kind of said, I you know just kind of created some drum tracks. Um, so yeah, I think they definitely are. I think definitely are influenced a bit by what was going on, and I think I kind of certainly with like the track names, maybe I sort of played on that a bit. Um, mm. Return kind of sounds like it's named that because because it's, like, the first track I put out after having a break. But it's actually, the name actually comes from the, the little vocal sample that's used in it, which says something about about coming home or something, I can't remember, it's, like, it's from some film, I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess with drum and bass and dance music, like, you don't want to be too, like, overt about being, like, to be about something, because I think that that can become a bit sort of cheesy. You want it to just be, like, you know, it needs to yeah. work as just a good dance track. Um.
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit of both because obviously it's dance music and it's made to be played loud and have people dance on it. And but you do have the, the liquid side of it, which I feel is fine to be played just in your in your living room on vinyl or or whatever. And I read a super interesting interview with uh, BC and mm. and Charlotte Haining. They released a, a full LP the two of them, and that LP dives into quite a few important topics of life events and struggles they went through. Um, and they were discussing that whole aspect of themes in drum and bass. They aren't really that mm-hmm. explored too much. And they didn't want to do it too overtly either. Like the lyrics aren't exactly what they were feeling. It's always a bit poetic. But they did they did want to infuse a bit of those, let's say, life experiences in the in the tracks so i thought that was quite interesting I, I do think there's a a place for both uh to live alongside i think yeah,
1: absolutely I, th- I think i think it should be like it should come across in like the vibe but i think if you start to do it too much then i think there's probably just other side, genres of music that are better suited to like storytelling kind of, of yeah. stuff and you, you know it needs to be a bit more yeah, yeah. conceptual a bit more subtle
0: yeah just talking about um life experiences I want to switch it to another topic and that's uh, social media and uh, the use of social media as an artist it's a topic I'm quite interested in because I recently saw the, the social dilemma on, on Netflix uh, and it's repeating a lot of things we've already heard but the dangers of using social media and dependency and all that stuff but at the same time I do feel that as an upcoming artist social media remains quite important yeah. to market yourself um especially when you're starting um so i'm quite curious to get your perspective on that um and also from the point of view of your how you use social media because i have to say i haven't seen a lot on your like personal life let's say on on social media there's quite little to to find i had to dig up an interview you did with DNB Dojo yeah. just to find your first name for example um so yeah i'm quite curious if that's like a conscious choice from your side or what's your whole view on on social media?
1: Um, I think. I mean, I'm not really like against or like particularly in favor of social media. I think it's I think it's one of these things where you kind of make it. You, you kind of ch- you choose how to use it, and that will impact on like whether it's a good thing for you or not. Um, so I think. I kind of already touched on like, you know, it's, I think with anything, the important thing is not comparing yourself to other people. I think that's important. And I think the problem is with social media. It, it, it just offers so many opportunities to do that. Um, I think, well, I I think the thing is, as as a small artist, the value of social media is in networking. It's, that's really how you should be using Mm -hmm. social media until you, until you get to the size where you have like a properly dedicated following that, you know, are, are gonna help you. They will like share, you know, your fans will start to share your stuff. And I think you have to get to a certain size before that really becomes the reality. So I think, um, and I'm certainly not anywhere near that level. I think, um, I think really for, for artists, until you get to that point, it is about networking for one reason is because, so I've got say, I think I've got maybe about between four and five hundred followers on Facebook, maybe. Um, and about six or seven hundred mm-hmm. on Instagram. But if you look at like my posts, I'll get, you know, it's probably like a five percent engagement rate if if that and part mm-hmm. of the problem, you know, obviously some partly it's because people forget about you and they get bored, so they, you know, move on. Um you kind of have to keep the following fresh. Um but then also because of the way these systems work, you know, only, what, 10%, 10 to 20% might even see your posts. So when you're looking at, like, organic social media, yeah. you're not... Um, a following isn't that useful to you as a marketing tool. It's quite useful as a way of, like, maybe getting gigs. So you you can say, look, I've got a big following, uh, mm. that's probably going to be a kind of point in your favour. So it is useful to do. But I think if you're actually talking about, like, your reach and getting your music heard. Like, say if you're looking for streams or purchases or something, I think
0: Mm.
1: it's not that it doesn't really matter whether you've got a huge following on social media. Well, if you've got a huge one, it does, but as like a small artist, it doesn't like Mm. matter that much. I think what really matters is making connections with people who can, can help you. The other weird thing is, and I don't know if this is a thing in like all genres of music, but I've definitely kind of seen it in drum and bass is that whilst you're growing, most of your fan base and like they are fans like they do love you they love your music but a lot of them will be djs or producers or whatever or promoters as well so although they are supporting you they also kind of are hoping for something back so it's like you know you might have like a you know however many yeah. hundred followers on instagram but 75 percent are probably following you I, this kind of sounds bad, but they're kind of following you in the hope that you'll also follow them. And, and it's, you know, it's this kind of thing. And it's, yeah, no, so it I think that's sense. why you have to be careful about, like, yeah. you have to be careful about trying to grow a following. And you have to think about, like, what what am I getting from them? Um, and I think, yeah, so really, it, it's the best thing you can do social media for is networking. It's it's such a great way of, of just reaching out to people, either to work with people who might play your music, people who might promote your music. Yeah. Um, like, Facebook groups, I mean, they're quite divisive. Like, there's been, like, lots of people have had opinions about them. I know a lot of big artists aren't a fan of those kinds of groups where you've got, like... But as a small artist, it's, I mean, like, it's such a great way of, of reaching more people because you can... I mean, one thing I don't, like, one thing that you can do if you are trying to grow a following on Facebook is if you can join a group as your artist account, as opposed to your personal account, um, if if you then post things in that group and people like your post, you can invite them to like your page. But also if you comment on things and people like your comment, you can also invite them to like your page, which, yeah, I don't think that many people know that. So if you can join as your artist account and then interact on these pages, Firstly, people will see your stuff way more. And especially video content works really well in those groups. Um But yeah, you've then got a way of like having a touch mm. point and then inviting someone to to actually follow you. And you never know, like they may just follow you and then never yeah. do anything. But then you know, because they've seen a comment, they've kind of like, you know, seen you as a interacting as a person, it may grow. But also, yeah, those groups you'll just yeah, you'll just come across people that are are really for on the one hand, are just really nice, great people, and also can probably help you get played somewhere or get promoted or explain to you why your music's not good enough to get played yet and help you improve and get to that point um
0: so yeah, yeah i think
1: I think that's the thing I think I see a lot of people posting stuff on social media, and I just think because it is, it takes time, like, that, and that's your, like, I don't, I don't put much content out on social media anymore, but partly because it just takes so much time, like, to have a good social strategy, you, you, you need to be having fresh content, like, most days, otherwise it's kind of not, not worth it, and I think there's better things that you can do with your time as a small artist, and, and the other thing is, like, I think you have to have quite a good idea of what you want your kind of brand to be because once you start posting a lot of things, people will get an impression of you. And you have to decide Mm. like, am I going to be a bit kind of controversial? Am I going to be quite out there and exactly, you know. Like um you have to be not careful because I don't think you know I think unless, you know, as long as you've kind of been sensible, you're not going to kind of like end up being cancelled or anything. (laughs) But but you know, I I think you do have to be careful that you don't that you know kind of how you want to be perceived when you start posting yeah. a lot of things out. Cause um, yeah. people will remember and get a feeling for kind of who you are. Um, so yeah, that's, I don't kind of hide my like name or anything deliberately, but I don't, I kind of decided I didn't want me as a person to be like, mm. I didn't want to kind of use my personal accounts as my artist accounts for instance, which I see quite a few people no. doing. Um, just cuz i don't think people would be that interested on what i post on my social <laughs> my personal accounts and uh, that that yeah, follow yeah. me for music. So.
0: But i think that's uh <laughs> yeah but it's it's a great tip what you said regarding networking cuz this interview for example we'd never spoken before and i just reached out on on instagram to cuz i like your music and i thought you'd be a a great guest so definitely networking is a a great aspect of of social media and i feel it's kind of like that that you you were talking about your relationship with uh, Detached Audio mm. and that's kind of how the EP, the, this latest EP came to be just because you had that ongoing relationship with them. Absolutely. Um, um,
1: I mean, I think everyone I work with or have worked with, I've pretty much met online. Another really great networking tip mm. is anytime, um, anytime someone plays your music or does anything, interacts it, always just reach out to them and say thank you because yeah um and don't ask them for anything just say thank you like i'm so glad like or you know maybe say like you know if i'd love to send you some more stuff so if you'd like to then let me know your email address or so i don't know but just just make contact with them because um then when it when you're releasing your next ep and you think oh it'd be great to get you know another feature on i don't know whatever it might be like um you know it's way easier if you've made contact before and they've seen that you're like a nice person because you're saying thank you you're appreciative you're you know um yeah they'll they'll definitely then they're way more likely to actually listen to your music it doesn't guarantee that they'll promote it for you but um you know you'll at least they'll remember you as a nice person which i think is is be, to be honest, that yeah. is probably like one of the best tips. Is just be nice and pleasant and and, and <laughs> friendly to people. <laughs> just and, be
0: a good person. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you know,
1: ev- everyone knows that everyone's kind of in it for their own gain to a degree. Because you know, you're trying to promote yourself, yeah. but you don't. That doesn't mean that you have to be like like a horrible person or anything. You can still be like really nice.
0: For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, I do, I do want to talk about your like when you took your break and you came back because you were mentioning you were quite let's say stressed and you had a lot of things going on obviously you have a uh, a job and friends and other activities i feel like you're into photography as well from your uh, instagram uh feed um so i'm just wondering how you approach music production in terms of scheduling it into your your life and all the other things that are happening and have you kind of changed the way you approach producing music from before your break and after your break?
1: Um, Yeah, it definitely has changed because I think that was the other thing. Like before I took a break, I was just trying to like do it whenever I could like snatch half an hour or an hour of time. Whereas now I think what I've learned is that you have to probably dedicate like a few hours to, to like starting a track, get it to a point where you can see whether it's like, good or whatever or you know you want to continue it and then once you kind of got it to a certain point you can keep going back into it for like short bursts and just like tweaking a few things and work on it um i think it, what I've, i have realized is that it is important to just make time properly for production which is probably why i like not doing it as often now because i don't want to just mm. be like dipping into it for a bit i want to like sit down and actually mm. you know have a proper Go at go at it when I do um I think the other thing is you've got to you've got to be feeling it, you've got to actually want to do it. I think as soon as you kind of sit down thinking right, I need another track, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, mm. what's the point then you know you, you should sit down excited about a track that you want to create, even if you don't yeah. know what that track's going to be like yet you think you know. So I think that's the other thing. It's kind of just trusting your own yeah. instincts about. The thing is, I know there's a lot of producers who have really high work rates and they do probably do it every day, and you know they're constantly doing stuff. And I am I I don't have time to do that, but I also don't think it would really suit me. Like I've probably released I've probably released most of the tracks that I've got to a certain point because I think when once I sit down and start working on a track. I want to then see it through to the end and I want to kind of, you know, create something that is, can be released um, in one form or another.
0: So you don't drop, you don't drop that many projects.
1: No, I don't, I don't drop that. I think I just, they just tend to like morph into something else. So like I won't Mm. abandon stuff. Like I don't, I don't have like a, like a huge like backlog of tracks that I've started and not finished. I tend to, I tend to start a track. It goes through that stage where you don't like it and i'll turn i'll tend to then always (laughs) rather than kind of throw it and start again i tend to just sort of sit on it and i'm like thinking and then suddenly like i'll be somewhere else not working on music and i'll think oh like maybe this could work And i'll go back and try it and sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but but yeah most tracks end up being finished one way or another they may change Mm. massively in that time but um there's not much. I think it's partly just because like I don't have time to like do it as a full time kind of thing. So when mm-hmm. I am working on something, I want to make sure that it's like you know a good use of my time and like it is going to go somewhere. I think I'm quite good at realizing very quickly whether a track's got any chance. Um, like I probably I've got a lot of projects where I've opened it up and just got halfway through like dropping some breaks in and thought, no, this just isn't working and just like put it away. But once I've kind of got a track yeah. built up into any kind of structure, it tends to it tends to get finished.
0: Yeah, I think it's listening to you speak. I, I feel it's great you've found that, again, that sweet spot of producing music the way you enjoy it without putting too much pressure on yourself to continue mm. to release. Because you've had a, quite a few release over the last years and I feel a lot of people can get trapped into... I need to continue to release tracks because maybe people are expecting it or something. And you've kind of found that, that place, uh, that place of comfort where, uh, you're producing when you feel, when you feel like it.
1: Yeah. I, I think a lot of people worry about just becoming irrelevant if they don't keep releasing, which I, I certainly did. I worried that if I stopped pumping out tracks that people would just forget who I was. And it's probably true that that will happen. Uh, if you don't release loads, but then you've got to think, do I care? And
0: you know, you yeah.
1: like my goal now is to to make music that I like, release and work with people that I like, and um that's kind of it, really. And and hopefully people mm-hmm. like it and listen to it. And I'm not so worried if I I'm not trying to become like a, an artist of a particular size. Now I'm just trying to you know enjoy it. And enjoy working with people so yeah, i think yeah. if you can try and yeah like release yourself from that any kind of pressure to 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 become a certain thing then yeah. you'll probably enjoy it the other option is that you if you have the time and you, you know you can p- pump a lot of time into it then um absolutely go for it and you know set yourself these goals and make sure that you you know releasing on whatever kind of schedule you want i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think it's i mean like um there's some artists that release so much and it's all amazing and you just think, wow, this is you know. But um but yeah, I it's just it's,
0: depressing. Yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah, it's just not for me, I think, that that kind of like approach.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's finding finding your place, I guess. Um I'm gonna let you go. This has been really inspiring uh in many ways. I think people are gonna love this chat. Um before I do let you go, uh, I do wanna ask you one last question. Um, I know you mentioned in an interview that you kind of discovered drum and bass through uh, Pendulum ten years ago. So I do want to get your thoughts on the latest two tracks that they put out. Uh, yeah, are, are you feeling them?
1: Yeah, well, uh, Driver especially. I mean, um, what's the other one called? Nothing, Nothing for Free, or something. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, that's that's a good track. It's probably not like quite as much my vibe, but Driver. I think, I think, I mean, can you imagine the pressure that they yeah. are under to, to, <laughs> after 10 years of being probably the, if not the most important kind of, you know, people in, in the history of drum base bass or recent history, like at least one <laughs> Careful, of them. Careful now, um, people are
0: going to get angry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think it depends how old you are. Like for me, I was like just getting into that kind of music and when Pendulum were massive, so they're always going to be for me, the most important people. Um,
0: Same here, yeah.
1: But, like, if you think about, well, if you think about bringing drum and bass to the kind of mainstream, they are the most important, I think. If you're looking Mm -hmm. at the creation of the genre, it's different. But that's kind of what I mean, that they have, it's not like, you know, a more underground artist coming back where they can have an underground sound and people will love it. Like, they've got to tread that line between commercial and mainstream because they've got those fans and it's got to it also gel with like the more underground scene. And I just think that I think driver, I don't think it's anything new. Like I think it, like it could have been made by like mm-hmm. metric or someone or, you know, one of those other big like dance yeah. floor artists. But, but I think it's that it's such a perfect like line between it's going to be accessible, but it's also, yeah. it is also a banger. And, and I think, you know, we can all like appreciate it. So I, I think that track especially is, is really good um and i'm i'm excited to see like i'm excited firstly to see what the other tracks are like but i'm also excited to see how they go about releasing them whether it's going to be an album or whether it's going to be mm. i don't know if they said but
0: they haven't said i don't it know I,
1: I i i've seen a few things i don't know whether i don't know where it's all true but i I've, I've heard mention of an album for like years but then i've seen recently them saying that it's going to be more like a few like singles like they're just going to like pump out like a couple of tracks at a time or something mm. which is more like normal these days so i don't
0: know i want an album
1: yeah i i'd like an album i don't know i think i don't know what i want from them to be honest i don't know whether i'd like them to be like really experimental and weird or whether i just want like yeah 10 bangers i'm not quite sure which <laughs> which way i'd like it to go yeah but yeah the
0: the, the thing is of as you said like they've had so much they probably have so much pressure now after 10 years and uh, I'm very similar to you. I, I started listening to drum and bass with, with Pendulum. I'm kind of in that age, age racket. Uh, and immersion was was like a revelation to me. It was one of the first times hearing drum and bass. And I was like, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. I've, I've never heard these drums so loud and so quick and, and all of that. And seeing the clip for uh, Witchcraft and all of that, I was like blown away. So, obviously, waiting ten years, my expectations are like through the roof yeah um so i'm I'm trying to manage those expectations at the same time
1: i think <laughs> um I think way more people came to Durham base through pendulum than probably admit it, I think pretty much yeah,
0: I think so it, you know
1: much. if you're unless you know if you're a certain age, you definitely like you pretty much definitely heard pendulum first um yeah. and that's how you like became aware of of it, so I think. Yeah. yeah deep down we're all still pendulum fans
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah just nobody says it on those facebook groups. no exactly but you know
1: i think you know i think everyone whether you like them or not you've got to got to see that they are um they're very good for at sure. uh, their craft
0: yeah for sure listen charles this has been a blast uh thanks a lot again for for coming on and and giving me some of your time um just let us know now like What's coming up for for Linear? What do you have in in, in the pipeline and where can people reach out to you?
1: Um, in the pipeline, there's not loads set in stone. I've got another EP planned with Detached, which is what I'm working on at the moment. I don't think that will be out until next year, though. Uh, there isn't a date set yet um, and the tracks aren't finished. So, you know, that's a quite important step. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of like the next big thing for me. Then there's... That's i like, I've got a few bootlegs and stuff that i've i kind of had for a while and i'm I'm kind of don't know whether to release them or not i I don't know whether people are kind of over the bootleg thing or whether like people would wanna hear them um so I'm kind of like you may or may not see those over the next few months um but then otherwise um yeah I've got a a spotify playlist that I update semi regularly. It depends how, like, uh, organized I'm feeling. Uh, but that's all kind of like, you know, rolling, liquid, funky kind of stuff. So um, people should definitely go and check that out. It's called Soul Funk Playlist. Um, and that's kind of the music I'm feeling. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's mostly it, really. I think um, I need to need to write some more music. <laughs> <That's> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but as you said, like, no pressure. Exactly, Just yeah.
1: Um, stuff, stuff will come... Come when it comes.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, again, thanks a lot for coming on. Really enjoyed this chat. So, uh, yeah, Uh, I think people are going to like this one a lot. So, again, thanks a lot.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really good. Um, Yeah. All right. Cheers, man. Thank you.